0: Scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, The child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. To speak to us and the topic of the sermon is, I have seen your salvation.
1: Thank you, Pam. Many of us, we would realize that today is 26th of December and under the colonial government in the past, 26th of December was a holiday, right? It's uh, called Boxing Day. When I was a child, I always thought that (coughs) Boxing Day is this, that that's the only boxing that I know. But then, I realized that actually what Boxing Day was for was in early uh, England. What they did was during the Christmas season, they had offering boxes in the church. And offering would be collected to help the poor. And on the, on the day after Christmas, these boxes would be opened and the uh, offering inside then would be given to the poor. Another tradition is that on Christmas Day, the servants of the wealthy people would be working. And so they are not able to spend Christmas with their family members. But the day after, there's a day after Christmas, then the wealthy uh, uh, employers would then pack food and cash and presents in boxes. And so then each servant would be given a box for them to go home and spend Christmas with their family. But of course, times have changed. Nowadays, in different parts of the world, Boxing Day is a day for shopping. But what about us here in church? For some of us, we may think, well, Christmas is over, and so life goes back into a routine. But this year, we are very intentional that Christmas is not just celebrated one day, but remember we had the whole four weeks of Advent Sundays, and then now, today, it's still considered Christmas season. We use the word tide. So this is the first Sunday in tide. There will be two Sundays, so the next Sunday, it's the second Sunday of Christmastide, before we move on to the next uh, event in the church calendar. And so for today, I've intentionally chosen this passage in Luke chapter 2. Sometimes we gloss over it because it's not really part of the Christmas story. But it is. It is still after Christmas, and so we still want to look at this passage. So today we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2. And so before we do that, let's commit this time to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful to You, Lord, for who You are, for all that You have done. We thank You, God, as we look back on the past four weeks how You've led us through this season of Advent, helping us to think, helping us to reflect, helping us to experience, God, Your goodness, Your promises. And even today, as we turn to Your Word again, Father, we ask that You may come and minister to each one of us, whether we're here in the sanctuary or whether we're at home, worshipping You. Father, we ask for Your presence We ask for you to speak that your children will be able to hear and then obey. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse, um, what was read for us is verse 25 to 38, actually began a bit earlier. In chapter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, the gospel writers are very intentional, and so I hope that as you read through your gospels, through your Bible, you're very uh you pay attention to the words used, to the uh, uh to the events that's recorded. And so this incident is only recorded by Luke. All right, that the child was circumcised, and then it says there on the 8th day. Now we would know that uh, in Genesis chapter 17, it was God who took the initiative to come to Abraham. It wasn't Abraham who said, Oh God, please make a covenant with me. It wasn't. It was God Himself who came to Abraham and said, I want to make a covenant with you. And what is this covenant? This covenant is that your offspring will, be, will, uh, will multiply and it will become a blessing. And then in verse uh, 12, it says, For the generations to come, every male among you would be circumcised on the eighth day. Now again, if you look carefully, Abraham was already 99. And his eldest son, the one born from Hagar, was already 13 years old. And yet God made a covenant to say, that the child, when the baby is eight days old, you will do the circumcision. What would be Abraham's immediate response if you are Abraham? Am I going to have another baby that on the eighth day I can circumcise the child? Isn't it what you would be saying? But Abraham accepted it. He had the faith to believe what God would God said, that he will one day hold a child that is 8 days old and he will circumcise that. Now of course in this incident he himself at 99 and his son at 13, Ishmael at 13 were circumcised. But he believed it. And then also what Joseph and Mary did at this time it says, just now earlier on, we see, we see that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses says that on the 40th day, okay, after 40 days, the parents must bring the child uh, to the temple entrance and then offer up one-year-old lamb for burnt offering and a young pigeon or dove for sin offering. And if the parents can't afford a lamb, two pigeons will suffice. And so we see Joseph and Mary bringing two pigeons. And that tells us, that gives us a clue that this couple could not afford a lamb. And the other thing that they had to do was that because this is a firstborn child, they have to redeem The the child. That again goes back to the law of Moses. Remember, before the uh, people of uh, Israel came out of Egypt, the firstborn, whether animals or human beings in Egypt, they, they died in the plague. And so after that, God said, Every firstborn child is mine, but you as parents can redeem. And so do you see the irony here? Joseph and Mary came with two pigeons because they couldn't afford a lamb. But they didn't realize what do they have or who do they have? They actually have the lamb of God who will eventually be sacrificed. That's the lamb. And then they had to pay five shekels of silver to redeem the firstborn. That's their firstborn. But they didn't realize that this is the Redeemer. They have the Redeemer in their hands. And so here, the irony is that Jesus is our Redeemer. And yet, at this point, He has to be redeemed as the firstborn child of Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary, like I said, brought two pigeons without realizing that the Lamb of God is with them. Friends, as we look at Joseph and Mary and what they did, it does remind us very often we do things without realising the deeper spiritual significance. This morning we recite the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. Is there any significance for in our lives? We go through baptism, confirmation, Holy Communion, and even the lighting of the Advent candles, do we realize the greater and deeper spiritual significance of all of these? Sometimes we go through rituals without realizing what is the deeper significance of it. Like Joseph and Mary, they brought the baby For circumcision, for uh, uh, purification, without realizing who they have with them. And so I think as we move on, after Christmas, after all this celebration, and as we come towards the end of the year, this is the last Sunday of this year. As we look back, we've gone through many of these rituals. We've attended weddings and funerals memorial services, activities in the church, do these mean anything spiritually to you and I? And so the first lesson, a post-Christmas lesson for you and I as we come to the end of the year, is to be aware of the rituals that we do in church, of the rituals that we have as part of our spiritual heritage. Don't go through it. Just going through. But to ask and reflect, what is the significance of all of these before we rush into the new year? And so this coming week, it will be a very good time for us to pause and reflect. I've done that with the LCC leaders, with the small group leaders. That before we come to our watch night service on the 31st, Let's think and remember the significance of the things that we do as part of our faith. And let the Lord use it to bless us. The second lesson, of course, is in the person of uh, Simeon. Now, there are many songs uh, are, are related with Christmas, okay? all the different names and so on. Simeon's song is called Nuk Dimittis which in Latin actually means dismiss me, or let me depart, right? That is part of Simeon's song, that I'm ready to go. And so for many of us, we have always thought traditionally that Simeon is an old man, just because he said, I'm ready to go. But the Bible doesn't tell us how old he is. But what the Bible describes him, and that was read for us, if you see that I've highlighted some words, the Bible described him as righteous and devout. And then three times in such a short passage, three times, it's mentioned Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit was on him. It must be that obvious, isn't it? Right? That people around or, or even Luke can describe him as the Holy Spirit is on him. And then it had been revealed to him that the, uh, that, uh, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Then finally, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. Pause and think about this man, devout and righteous, and mention three times that the Holy Spirit is with him. Not only did he know that the consolation of Israel, the promised Messiah is coming, is recorded in the scriptures, and so he knew about it. But tens and thousands of people would also know the same fact, that the Messiah is coming. But this guy is different. He knew it. But he was also sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He knew it. He believed it. The problem with many of us, we know God's promises, but do we really, really believed in it? Or how many percent do we believe? God's promises are plentiful, but do we believe? And so here we see Simeon, not only did he believe God's promises, He was obedient. When the Holy Spirit prompted him, today is the day, let's go to the temple courts. He was obedient and he went. I was wondering to myself that if I'm Simeon, if the Lord said, okay, today go. What would be my response? God, you have been silent for 400 years. Yeah, I know the Messiah is coming. Yeah, I believe, but... So here we see Simeon. He knew, he believed, he was obedient. And so he was blessed to see and to carry the baby in his hands. Those of you who uh, worked together closely with me in this past two years would know that I often say I don't have a lot of faith. And I'm not totally obedient when the Lord tells me to do things, and that would be my confession. But yet in the last two years, I have seen how the Lord led and guided. When the MCO was started last year, the word that the Lord gave to me personally and some of the leaders is about Joshua crossing the Jordan River. And I was very hesitant, I said, no, Lord, no, if I put my feet on the river, and the waters don't part, I will be so embarrassed, I will lose face. And the Lord reminded me the worst thing that can happen is I'll sink into the water, and that's it. And so since then, I've been trying to be obedient, to listen, and look at where we are today after two years of the different MCO. Many of us are Zoom experts now, right? We have Zoom on prayer meeting, we have small group on Zoom, we have meetings on Zoom. We even have weddings and funeral services on Zoom. We've come a long way, my dear brothers and sisters. And remember at the beginning of last year when I said, let's go deeper. I never knew that this is going to happen, that this is, this is it. But as we learn to trust in God, as we learn to be obedient, we move one step at a time. And so today, together with Simeon, I pray that all of us will be able to say with such confidence, I have seen your salvation. Simeon can say that because he has seen, he has believed, and he's seen. God's salvation. These past few weeks have been very hectic. On top of everything else, there are a number of funerals of our elderly church members. In many cases, I don't know these elderly members. But I count it a privilege and an honour that before the funeral services, I have the opportunity to talk with either church members or family members and find out stories about the person who has passed on. And many, many times, I hear stories of their faith. And I'm just amazed, and so I would quote the words of Paul, who said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished, I've run the race, and then I've kept the faith. And so Paul was so confident in saying that, that I've done what God has asked me to do, I'm ready to go. And Simeon says the same thing, that I have seen your salvation. And so Simeon's song, Luke you know, Demetis, is, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, because I have seen your salvation. Friends, what about you and I? on this last Sunday of this year, God will fulfill His promises. We all all know His promises. But do we believe it? We need to be able to say confidently, I can and I will see them fulfilled. The only difference is, will you be obedient? Will I be obedient? It's only those who are obedient that you'll be able to see the promises of God. And so imagine Simeon that day said, No la, Lord, I'm so busy la. I've got other things to do. No la, Lord, you've been quiet for so long. I don't think so. No la, Lord. Call someone else, not me. Then Simeon would have missed the opportunity of seeing and carrying the baby Jesus And then to be able to say that, I have seen your salvation. And so friends, at the end of the year, reflect on our obedience. Reflect on our responses. And then decide what you want to do next year as we moved on. And then the other person that we look at, of course, is Anna. Now Anna is very, very different from Simeon. Anna is described as very old. Old is not enough, just very old. And then she lived with her husband for seven years after marriage, and then she was a widow until she's 84. Now, there in the original language, we're not sure whether she was 84 at this point, or she has been a widow for 84 years. We don't know. So either way, Okay, whether she has been a widow for 77 years, if you do the uh, uh, arithmetic, or whether she's been a widow for 84 years. But Anna is old. Anna was a widow. Now, we have heard um, in the Bible, uh, the word widow is mentioned many, many times. But to actually name a widow, Or widows who have names and who are recorded. There are only 12 of them in the whole Bible. Three of them are found in the Gospel of Luke. Anna is one of them. Again, we go back to the fact that um, uh, Luke is a Gentile. He focuses on the marginalized, the least, uh, the the, the despised. And so Anna is an old widow. What is she doing in the temple? God's law requires that the family takes care of the widow. So what is she doing in the temple? Where are her family? Now, of course, then in the Gospel of Luke, remember the widow with two coins? And that's all she had? How can that be? Where are her family? And so with that, you will also know that even though the law is there, there are people who don't obey the law. And so you have a poor widow who has to live in the temple, and then you have a poor widow who has only two, two coins left. But as we look at Anna, like I said, she's different. She's not described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. She's not described as singing when she saw the baby. In fact, all that she did was when she saw the baby, she gave thanks to God. And then, what else did she do? She told, she spoke about the child to everyone. Who is Anna? She's old. She's a widow. She doesn't know much. She doesn't do much. And yet, when she saw the child, she gave thanks, and then she began to tell people About the child. If I asked you, those of you who have lived in Kuching longer than me, where can I get the best laksa? Opinions may differ, but I'm sure every one of you would tell me a place. What about the best gholomi? You will also tell me. We would tell people where to get the best food. But will we tell people where to find the best friend. When I first came to Kuching uh, the year before, at the beginning of last year, a very kind member of the church called me and said, Pastor, can I take you to the market? I said, yes, of course. So it showed me where, where's the butcher. Uh, this place is very good. showed me also where's the Huising Market and then tell me where to get groceries and so on. And I appreciate that. It's one person who knows the news and telling another. And so from Anna, we need to learn that doesn't matter our social status, doesn't matter our age, doesn't matter even our usefulness, we can tell everyone about Jesus Christ. Remember that our theme for our Christmas this year is the voices of Christmas. Those of you who enjoyed the cantata yesterday would remember the different voices of Christmas. The shepherds, the prophets, even the star, the angels, the wise men, Joseph, Mary. We all can be a voice of Christmas. We all have seen God's salvation. If we have not seen anything else, just look at our own lives. Where we were and where we are now. What has God done in our lives? That is God's salvation for you and I. And I'm sure for many of us, we can look at someone else's, we can look at our family, we can look at our friends. We can say with confidence, I have seen your salvation. And with that, will we tell others. This morning's closing hymn is go tell it on the mountain. We don't need to go to the mountain. We can just go and tell it in our homes, in our streets, anywhere. And so let's just spend some time reflecting on what God is telling us and let's prepare to end this year and then to move on to tell and to declare to all I have seen your salvation let us pray Yes, Father, I have seen your salvation. Many of us here, my brothers and sisters, we all can also echo that because we have seen you at work in our own lives. And so, Father, I pray that today, as we look at Simeon, as we look at Anna, as we look at Joseph and Mary, I pray that, God, we will reflect on our own lives And offer ourselves up to you with great confidence of what you have done in our lives. And then go forth and be a voice of Christmas. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.